Garrett. Thank you, thank you. Well, I want to give honor where honor is due. Brian Chung placed first place amongst all ARC participants in the race yesterday. I'd like to say it was close, but it wasn't. He, he dominated, and Alex and I were, were behind him. And Cecia, I think she's down with the kids right now, but he, he was first, but three of us podiumed, right? So that's all I have to say. There's four participants, there's always three podiums. So I was thankfully on the podium. That means I survived in advance of one of us, but it was awesome. So really well done if you see people limping around a little bit. Just encourage them. They'll get in better shape next time they take on a, a hill, hilly race. And for those of you who didn't show up, I don't have to say anything. You, just, you, you, guys, you guys can <laughs> do what you want with that. Um, now we, had a great, we had a really great barbecue. There was wonderful macaroni salad. There was wonderful chicken sandwiches. There was all kinds of, we had a full spread of food. We had a yellow jacket infested rack of ribs that, that was powerful. It was just a powerful day. And, and so I, it was really fun. Thank you guys that, for those of you who got to come out. It was good. All right. Well, I'm excited for this morning. I know God, is, he's already done some things this morning, but there, we're going to have a time towards the end uh, where he's going to come and meet us again. I, I, I want to leave some time for altar time today. We don't do it every week, but I feel like there's something up that God wants to do, and um, that's special. So I want you guys to prepare your hearts. Just as always, the Holy Spirit is here, and so I, I, I love the idea that he'll speak through me to you, but I like the idea and the truth even more that when his presence is here, you should be tuned into him. And if he starts talking to you, tune me out, tune him in, and then respond to him, right? That's, that's the priority. And so he wants to meet with us this morning in a, in a kind of a more intimate way than he has already in worship. And I just want to thank Daniel. Wonderful job this morning. Thank you so much. Very, very good. Um, but let's just do this for me. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here. We just pray that you would open our hearts and that you would help me deliver the words that you have for us this morning. God, we're so privileged to be in your presence. We don't take it for granted. When you're near, we're honored. We're really honored when you're near. And so, Jesus, we just invite you to come closer, closer and closer. You transform us. We celebrate you as our king, our friend, our beautiful savior. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just speak to us this morning, that you'd minister directly to our hearts, that you'd change outcomes as a result of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I, a week ago, we had a, a multi-day, and most of you were able to come, and I was just I'm really, really proud, number one, that most of you gave up a whole weekend to, to have ministry time from a, a guest. Um, it, was, it was really significant in many ways, and it was very rich, and if you weren't able to be here or you were able to be here, I'd encourage you to go back on the podcast, listen through the whole series again over time. You don't have to do like two days straight where you just listen. It was long. It was long. Rodney's a much, much better teacher in terms of depth than, than I am. He likes and has, has the credentials to go deep and to do it for a very long time. And so he did such a rich job of presenting kind of foundational kingdom perspective to us 
Um, one of the things, there's so many things that I could highlight. I just want to, I want to highlight one thing, but I probably will continue to highlight pieces of what he spoke to us for, for months. But the one thing I wanted to highlight is, is the kingdom emphasis that drives us not into the church, but drives us out of the church to go to places God has designed us to go. Like that is my simple language around, he's designed you to come here, be fed, equipped, but then to go into different environments with the same evidence of his presence and his kingdom that's within you. And so we, we enjoy the kingdom of God when we come together. We experience his peace, we experience joy, we experience the life and vibrance of, of the spirit kind of manifest in us as a group. The trap is that this becomes the centerpiece of our world. This is the equipping place. This is the empowerment place. This is the, the, the launch pad from which we go and live effective lives. Some will live lives where they are called with specific like missional um, ministry identity, five-fold ministry. They, they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They go. There's more than that, but that's truthfully the exception. That's the exception. The majority of us are called into places of influence in such a beautiful variety of ways. And I was just, I was really struck the first day when he was giving stories of all the people who were kind of equipped by God to really make an impact in their world. Some were in finance, some were in, gosh, I don't even remember. Architecture, there was an architect that was doing city design. You guys remember those examples. Those are meaningful. And they're not to be kind of quickly passed over where we go, oh yeah, God kind of exceptionally used one or another to make an impact in culture and society or their workplace. That's not normal though. I, I can't wait till God calls me to the pulpit so I can do what Vince is doing. It's epic. That's really what all of us are designed to do. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is a different calling. It's completely different. I, for decades, was waiting to do this. Um, and meanwhile, I was listening to God and he'd say, okay, I want you to go do this. And so fast forward, I have a full career in real estate, a full career where I'm now privileged to lead people and a business and all those things. Um, but if I was fixated on a narrow view where God's ultimate use of me would have been in this pulpit at this time, I would have lost 20 years of my life's ministry work in the field. And so just to understand that you may have a call to this at some point in your life, but to embrace the leading of the Lord to wherever he's calling you and wherever he's leading you in that season is the ultimate good. And that is the norm, not the exception. And so for those of you who feel a pull generically to ministry, I would just challenge you, don't define what that means. Don't, don't write down in your journal, I'm going to do this and it's going to look like this. Write down, I feel called to follow the Lord and maybe he's given me some specifics, but just know that when he gives specifics, it's to draw you into a much more creative place than you could have ever imagined and that's the richness of God. And so I just wanted to highlight that one point that you are, are called to go. We as a church are called to go and if it means we grow, that's fine, but that's not the goal. The, the real goal is you're empowered to go. And so I was just really appreciative of Rodney's words along those lines while he was here. And hopefully you got it. 
Hopefully you got it. Hopefully you felt validated that I am not lost and wandering because I'm pursuing a major, or I'm not lost and wandering because I'm in this certain place of employment today and I'm not totally sure if it's gonna work out. He is with you, he's going with you, and there is no final destination where he's like, that's when they'll finally be of use. You know, and that's, that is a, that's a trick, and for you, prophetic people that get dreams or see pictures and you've had this vision of what you're going to be, um, I'll tell you, that vision is a snapshot, a moment, but there's a whole life leading to that moment and a whole life following that moment. It doesn't mean it's the top of the hill, right? It's just God calling you in his creative ways to something so that you have hope, but knowing that your life is supposed to be lived with joy and peace and fulfillment, knowing I am used of the Lord here with this family, with these crazy coworkers, with whoever, with this classroom, with, with whatever scenario you're in. So just do this. God's using me. I'm proud of what he's doing with me. Good job, Vince. Good job, Vince. And that's true of all of you, too. It's true of all of you, too. So big point, and we'll keep making it until we get it. But I was excited for it. All right. You guys ready? I hope so. Woo, you got an extra hour of sleep this morning. You all look so much better. You all sleep, you're just rested and pumped, super, super clear. Ready? Okay. All right, God's chosen people, we, like Abraham. I'm doing what I did a couple times ago. We, like Abraham. You're, you were so good last time. You got it right away. So, it's me. I'm sorry. Just put up with me. Let's go to the first slide. <laughs> Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Isaiah 51, 1 and 2. We're going to continue on the next slide in a moment. I want to consider this morning a couple of things. One is a heritage that we have, which I talk about a lot. I talk about, I talk about it a lot because I feel like our heritage in the Lord is much more significant than our performance here. So often we measure ourselves within the lifespan that we have, within the memory that we have, within the assignments given and the assignments successfully completed, the assignments given and the assignments that we fail dramatically at. And we're looking at that story, and it's, it's in truth in history of humanity a short story. Your life is a short story. Even the full version of your life, if you go to 120, if you hit the ultimate number, if you hit 90, if you hit 80, if you're 25 right now, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, your life's a short story in the kingdom story of humanity. It's a short story. And so oftentimes, just because it's a normal process, we look at our life in the way we see it and understand it, and we say, does this matter? Can I make an impact? Is there anything of value here that's significant enough to lead me to places that are worth celebration? And so when I look at the Bible, I look at people and I go, I want to be like that. But then I look at my life at times and I go, could I ever be like that? And if you look at the Bible enough, you'll either go one of two ways. You'll get further and further enamored by the amazing work of God in people's lives. And you'll go, wow, look what he did for them. Look what he did for them. Look who they became because of God. Or you'll go, wow, look at them in comparison to me. How far apart am I? from that standard of excellence. 
There's one correct interpretation, but we're all prone to both at different seasons and times in our life. The correct interpretation is man can do nothing that accomplishes eternal things without God working through him. So it's never a story of, was that man so good and so qualified? It's always a story of God's grace, mercy, power flowing into a man or a woman in a way that is producing eternal results. Okay, so that's the right theology. It's the right way to think about things. But we consider ourselves every day, we consider our circumstances every day probably way more than we'd like to admit. If we really mature, we get to a point where we're not looking inward or even within three feet or five feet all the time, or maybe we're really mature and it's 15 feet or 20 feet. Maybe it's not just within eyes view, maybe it's the nation that we're in, but we, we get consumed by the moments we're in to the point where we forget that there's a God above that really makes anything possible that really matters. And we would just, we get fixated on all this stuff. All this stuff, there's so much stuff. There's those nice clothes you're wearing, there's that job you have, there's that, that vision for your life that you have, there's those friends you have, there's those job dreams you have. There's all the stuff. And it all is meaningful, and God is behind it. Remember, we started today by saying, if you're, you're called to go out into all those places, the mistake and the, and the kind of mystery of, of this, this life is that God, God has designed us to have relationship with him. He's also designed us to be used by him to accomplish kingdom pursuits. But the priority for God isn't his our usefulness or our utility. The priority for God is relationship. But for humans, it feels really good to be used. It feels validating, it feels strengthening. We feel stronger, better, more capable. Some of us would just be over the top happy if we felt used by God. We felt like he told me to do something or he designed me to do something and then I went and did it. Like, I belong in the book of Leviticus, at least. Put me, put me in a list. You don't have to tell anyone what I did. Just put me on a list. Like, I did something in my generation. I made the list. Others of you are like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm used to this. I, I, know I, like, I know he talks to me, and I know I do. And then one day, you did this big thing. I don't know if it was really you, but, but you were there, and God moved through you and transformed someone or a people group or some generation's life. And you go, I belong in the book of Hebrews. <laughs> yep, I'm serious. You should have been there. You didn't come to church that day, but if you came, yeah, Serena. You didn't come to church that day, but if you were here, you would have seen what God did through me, and I, I, I did something big. Yeah, that's right, and I felt good, and I yelled about it. I just, I was, it felt good. It felt great. God loves that about us. He's a dad. He's like, look at my boy, he made the list. Look at my girl, she made the book of Hebrews. Wow. 
But at the end of the day, when the book closes, he's really excited just about you. He's, he's amazed at the faith that we demonstrate and the places we go because of faith. He really stands at times in awe of us, this little creation, this little temporary moment, this short life. And he goes, look how beautiful they are. And look, this one is doing more, doing more, doing more. Look at it. All right, it's almost time to bring him home. He's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. Okay, let's get him home. But what he really is looking at, he's looking at the crowd of witnesses watching our lives going, yeah, look at it, look at it, look at that life. But he goes, yeah, that's my son. That's my daughter. I can't wait till they're home with me because they're my son and my daughter. You see, there's a special place in God's heart for each of his creation. We're all his creation. Before we came out, he formed us. He had an idea for us. He, he shaped us. He has real peculiar ideas of what's awesome. Look around. <laughs> Don't look at anybody. That would be mean. I just said around. Don't look at anyone. He, he makes us so uniquely. He really, yeah, see, she did. Serena did it. So it's Serena's day. She turned around and looked at Alex. Now Alex feels like she's calling him peculiar. See, it was the wrong move. It's the wrong move. Just telling you. You sat in the wrong seat. It's your fault. You're right in my line of sight. All right. He makes this so uniquely. And, oh, it's his idea. It's not your, your doing. You were kind of crafted this way, and it's really special. He makes this a really special way, and he's really intent on observing, and he's really excited when some of us transcend the idea of I'm his, I can be used, oh, but then he's watching me, and there's relationship here. And so I want to look at a few things with our father, Abraham. I want to consider why he was chosen. I want to consider what it was about him that was so special. I want to think along the themes of prayer because that's ultimately what I want to talk to the church about in terms of where we're going in this next season. But I want to remind you all, you're all designed to do amazing things. But there's a great value that God has for you that allows something special to happen if you allow it. It's called relationship, it's called intimacy, and it's true, and it's real, and it's available for us in the same way as it was for our father, Abraham, our father. All right, let's read this again. Listen to me. Listen to me. Isaiah's talking. Listen to me. You that pursue righteousness. Okay, so he's talking to people who have a, a right posture, and they want to do right. They want to be in relationship with God. He says, you that seek the Lord. Okay, what does that look like? You guys know. God's invisible. So those of you who seek him, seek him in spirit. How do you seek him? There's a lot of different ways. But you're one of hundreds of generations who have desired in their hearts to connect with God, to stand rightly with God. There's a heritage that you have where many before you have gone along this line where they said, I want to be in right relationship with him, and I am actually going to go after him. 
not just expect him to protect or look out for me. There's something different about these ones that Isaiah is talking to you to. And I, I just, I want to say this, and this is not a condemning thing. I think it aligns with some of what Rodney was saying, where there's children, young men, fathers. There's truth around, as a child of God, we just are happy to be in the room playing. There's just, we're just in the room. There's no intentionality in us. We're just happy to be part of the family. But there's something that can transpire, and it's available to all of us, where we make a, a second step, and we begin to seek him out. We reach to him rather than his grace reaching to us and just bringing us in the home. We, once we're in the home, are reaching to him in spirit, saying, we want to know you more. So Isaiah says to those type of people, and my hope is today, guys, that we, we get a new spark, a new ignition around seeking the Lord together. Okay? Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. This is beautiful language. And what he's pointing to is Abraham. And so this, this concept is so simple, but it's really true. Is that there was a rock. This is the idea. Like, this, is, this is like a big stone quarry. If God chisels out a piece of that stone, it's all of this. And he chisels out, let's say there's 50 of them. He chisels out 50 pieces from that one big rock. Doesn't that mean we're all kind of of the same character and nature? That's what, that's what he's communicating here. There's no real difference. We have the same substance or material within us. There's no differentiation between one and another. We're all hewn, fancy old word, carved out from one big source. All right, let's go to the next slide. This is verse 2. It says, look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. Now, this is Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, did Abraham or Sarah literally give birth to these people he's talking to? Please don't fail this test. <laughs> no, he did not. All right, okay. So Isaiah is saying, look back to your father and your mother who gave birth to you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. A fundamental, and guys, I've said this a hundred times because I feel like once we get it, we'll understand the rights, the authority, the truth of who we are. This principle is so fundamental to what the Bible and all of Christianity is about. We are of the same family as Abraham was. That's it. All right, let's go to the next slide. I'm going to give you some more foundations here. Just as Abraham believed God, is that what you got? That's what you got and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. Okay? I'm going to give you one more. Go to the next slide. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay. I just gave you three scriptures. There's tons of scriptures in the Bible, but I want you just to understand one idea today. There is, God's intention is, Abraham was chosen. God made a covenant with him. Of all the peoples on earth at that time, 
God in his wisdom said, Abraham is the one that I want to create into a nation. These are the ones I'm going to bless and give favor to, prosper and advance my kingdom through. One man. We're going to come back to him and why. But I want you to understand, you're of the same rock that Abraham was because you believe in Jesus. That's the scripture. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. There's a wonderful, wonderful depth to this. But do you guys understand this idea? It's as if he was and Sarah was your dad and mom. Therefore, every good thing God promised to Abraham and Sarah, he also is by right giving to you via inheritance. That's how inheritance works. That's how the kingdom is designed to work. So, if I was to ask this question, are you qualified to inherit good things from God? If you answered, no, I have a bad track record, I love Jesus, I believe in him, but I have done some bad things, you're missing the message. The message is you have the rights to inherit the good things from God because of your faith in Jesus and because of God's great love for Abraham. All right. So if you're qualified then, you're qualified into an inheritance that was given because one man acted in a certain way. So I want to consider with you guys for a minute this crazy person called Abraham. Abraham was a man of the land of Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. This was like the, the location. He was a descendant, obviously, of, of a lot of folks. There were that list that was awesome that made it to the Bible. Abraham was one of many. He had brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles. He came into a place where he, like all of his family, was serving other gods, it's really interesting. The Bible tells us that Abraham and his family, they were in Ur of the Chaldees. They were actually serving other gods. They weren't faithful believers of Yahweh, Yahweh. They weren't following in the same path. But God one day chose to reach out to Abraham. And I just think it's interesting because if you consider the way that that interaction went, all we're told was that God called him it doesn't say in that first interaction that there was an appearance, that God showed up in the room. That happens actually later. The first interaction is Abraham probably in a place where he was able to hear, hearing from God. Okay. I want to ask you guys, in your normal life, are you putting yourself in a position like Abraham did to hear from God? Super simple question. I'm not saying, do you spend time reciting prayers? I'm saying, do you, like your father Abraham, put yourself in a position to be spoken to by God? Do you sit and wait, giving him time, with ears open and mouth closed, brain maybe slowed down, to where you have the capacity to hear if he should speak? You see, I think that there was something about Abraham, and we don't know this, so there's a little bit of conjecture here, but there was a pattern that was in him that allowed him to have a place for God to speak to. See, after Abraham begins to follow the Lord, 
and God appears to him, we find Abraham time after time after time creating altars to God. It doesn't say that God told him to build an altar. It just says Abraham has this interaction with God, and then Abraham builds an altar. What does building an altar mean? Well, building an altar at that time was probably putting stone on top of stone on top of stone. And usually it came with some kind of sacrifice where you'd sacrifice an animal, which means like giving of your material wealth. And, and you'd say, you are worth this. There is value that I want to ascribe to you. And so I'm making this altar because something happened here. We had an interaction and I, in my heart, value it. Have you guys ever had an interaction with God and then you just moved on really quickly and then it's as if it really never happened? You remember that he interacted with you. It was a special moment, but there was no real lasting impact and and someone might ask you, so what, what happened? And you'd say, well, I felt him and he said some things. What did he say? Oh, I don't even remember because there wasn't a high value for that interaction. There wasn't a stopping and turning and establishing a a memorial for this great moment that God actually came to me and I responded in like kind and we had some type of dialogue. You see, I think a lot of times we, we, we wait for the moment where God physically appears and that does happen to Abraham, but it happens after he responds to the call that he had. So Abraham's story, and I didn't, I didn't put it up here. We're not going to read through it. I, you guys read it. It's awesome. Genesis 12 is where it starts and just kind of goes. But Abraham hears a call, and it's a crazy radical call. And you go, how would he decide to leave a place where his family's established? Well, he knew that it was God, or he believed that it was God, and he responded as aggressively and quickly and obediently as he could. So many times for us, we say, I am waiting for God to to speak to me in such a dynamic way that there's no doubt. I am like a fleece person. I like Gideon's story a lot. Gideon was awesome because Gideon was just doing normal things like hiding in in a wheat threshing thing. He was like hiding in a wine barrel threshing wheat that's kind of like my life. I like to do normal stuff like that. And then, and then God talked to him, or an angel shows up, and Gideon's like, I think you're an angel, but I'm going to throw a fleece out. Like a fleece was like a big blanket. Throws it out and say, hey, can you make that wet and everything else dry? Because that'll make it clear that it was you. And then it happens, and then, well, you get that back, and you're like, okay, well, I, I, thank you, but how about we do it one more time? just to make sure I'm sure that you're really you. And so we do it again. You say, well, that's the style I like. I like God to prove himself to me before I move. He honored Gideon. Surely he'll honor me. Yeah, maybe. But our father, the rock from which we are hewn, was actually at a level of trust and faith that transcended even Gideon's work. You see, every Bible story where God interacts with someone isn't always to celebrate their behavior. Does that go without saying? <laughs> kind of, I'm not going to give examples. There's plenty of terrible ones. But God will work if you're like Gideon. But what we're trying to do is go to a place where we start to behave like Abram. 
A place where God can choose to do things through us and in us that transcend normal outcomes. I'd love for all of us to have a reunion in heaven where we're like, hey, we made it. Cool. Good job. Was your life good? It was great. We all got in. And we're like, yeah, we all got in. Did you do anything? No, but I got in. How'd you do? No, I didn't do nothing, but I got in. We're good. We're good. Talk to him in the back. He sh- no, no, you didn't do anything either. Oh, hey, but we're all here. It's cool. It's good. Do you guys know, like, there's like this whole world that we get to explore now, and Abraham's here. Do you, do you think there's differences in heaven, just like there's differences on earth? And it's not like tears where it's, where it's political and there's, there's the rich and the poor, but there's honor. And there's, there's fullness in heaven and on earth of the substance of God being manifest in God's creation. And so we're trying to get to a place where we, as God's children, can act in like kind with those who came before us who were endorsed to make meaningful change on earth. If you just make it into heaven with us, it's okay. <laughs> it's good. But if we make it into heaven and with us, we have this great history and heritage of having walked with the Lord in a way that was like Abraham's. There's going to be differences, not just in our experience there, but differences in what we turn and look back on here that that remains behind us. And so I want to consider a few things. Let's go to the next slide. There's some characteristics, and it's really interesting as you read through the Bible, there's not a ton said about the nature of Abraham, but there's a lot that's said if you just pay attention to his life choices and what he did. And so my first comment is the obvious one. Abraham heard his voice because he, he was in a place where he could hear He set aside time and there was honor in his heart for the true God. If God speaks, I will listen and I'll obey. And I would just ask you guys, are you in the mode of going, God, whatever you say, yes, I will do? Or are you in the habit of saying, God, if you listen to me, we'll get along really well. (laughs) And then we'll be friends, according to me. You see, I want to consider, and, and we'll get there, what it takes to have that ultimate relationship with God because out of Abraham's relationship, he was able to do. And so this scripture in Nehemiah, many generations later, remembering Abraham, he said, God, you found Abraham, his heart, faithful before you. This, was, this is the one-liner description that remained generation after generation after generation. His heart was faithful to God. The story is crazy. Abraham, leave everybody you know. Abraham picks up and he does it. What does he do? He, he goes to this place. And once he gets there, it says God appears to him. So he gets that physical interaction, that physical encounter. Abraham builds an altar He hangs out for a while, famine comes. Abraham is like, hey, I know this land is ours, but I can't eat here. Something must have been wrong about our communication. 
I'm going to take a walk to get some food. They end up in Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he does some strange things. He calls his wife his sister. His sister gets into the courts of the king, Egypt, Pharaoh. And they get all kinds of weird diseases. And he's like, get out of here, Abraham. You lied to us. This wasn't your sister. This is your wife. And Abraham, sorry, I'll take the goats and things that you gave me. And he doesn't have a home there because he was probably never supposed to leave the land God told him to stay in that was his. Challenge came, and Abraham made a choice, and he, he kind of followed nature. He followed himself. Well, he comes back. He finds his way back. And he actually goes back to the exact place where God had physically met him, and it says once he gets there, Abraham called out to God. He called out. He sought God again, and what does God do? He shows up like it never happened. He's like, hey, let me tell you what I'm going to do with you. Everything you see, it's yours. And it's like, this is like a repeat. This is like a replay. This is exactly what happened many, many, many years before. You see, Abraham went back to that place of relationship, of connection, he went back to that place of promise, standing in the place he was supposed to be in. And he cried out and said, God, if you are still God, I'm still yours. I know I took a detour in Egypt, but I'm here. And God said, yes, you're here. Thanks for calling out. Let's keep this story going. And there's something here where Abraham begins then to settle in. He moves around a little bit. He lands in Hebron, his final destination geographically. It's just south of Jerusalem. He lands there, and it's home, and everyone around him is not serving the Lord. It ends up being the place that a lot of folks have to conquer. You guys know the stories. Moses, Joshua, all the, the people they had to go fight and conquer, those were Abraham's neighbors, and God says, this will all be yours. All of this land will be yours. Abraham settles in and he says, I believe you. I believe you. And so when he's remembered, he's remembered as a faithful person because he physically took the steps God told him to take. Do you think Abraham was ever confused during this life that he lived? I'm not even getting to the part where God asks him to sacrifice his son. That's another day. I'm, this is the simple part of the story where God's like, hey, you should move. And Abraham's like, sure, I'll move. Let's go. Ah, there's no food here. I'm going to move out of town, but then come back and just apologize. because That's kind of, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, it's manageable. <laughs> it's like partially doable. In that season, God saw the heart and he said he was willing to move. All I did was tell him to move. And he, he kind of just, he locked in on me. He let all the other gods go that all of his family said were worth serving. How did he do that? Well, there's a faithfulness in this guy's heart. There's something in him that trumps all the logical actions he should be taking. He's willing to go anywhere and do anything. I love that about him. That's my son. I love that about him. I think I can build a nation on that quality. This faithfulness that goes way beyond logic. 
This faithfulness that says, I'll physically go anywhere and do anything regardless of how I think or feel that the outcomes will be. I want to talk to you guys for a minute about prayer. Prayer is a thing where we, we take a step into relationship with God that silences all the logic and reason that we have here on the natural earth. It's an action that you take because you believe in the spirit connection with a God that you cannot see, where if I communicate with him and he with me, things happen here in the natural. That's what prayer is. It's setting aside time and place, space in your mind, space in your heart, for God to communicate with you and you to turn and communicate with him. Abraham was in this pattern. He was in this pattern, I think, even before God reached out and said, hey, we're going to move. He was in a place where he, he was saying, God, if this is you, if you're real, I'm yours, and you should talk to me. And it was a pattern for him because if he heard a voice for the first time, do you think he would have left everything and brought his family and moved for the first time? See, I think we get the cliff notes sometimes in the Bible. I, I don't know that God just spoke to him once, just once. He, he definitely hasn't spoken to me just once to get me to move. You go, well, you're not like Abraham. You're not there. Don't say it. You're like, you're not, you're not as faithful as him. You're not as faithful as him. You're, you know, he had hair, and he had a nice beard, and he had all these qualities that you don't have, so you struggle naturally, Vince. It's just part of your, your, your things you'll have to overcome. I, I, I kind of think Abraham was a human like me. He lived in a society where there was multiple gods. He, in fact, served other gods. He had a family heritage having served other gods? Do you think there was room for demonic influence or confusion or maybe even second guessing? Absolutely, absolutely. But he was in a place where he came back to what God had said. And he demonstrates it in the second round when he gets there and then he leaves to Egypt, but then he comes back and he remembers that God had spoken and maybe it was more significant and it was more permanent, and maybe I misunderstood. I, I left to Egypt, but maybe I shouldn't have left. But I'm, I'm here now, and my heart is still towards you, even though my actions and thoughts and sometimes my decisions for myself and my family are contrary to what you've specifically said. But I'm here now. And I really do mean it. I want what you want for my life. You see, there's a faithfulness. That's what God considers faithfulness. I think we're confused when we go, God considers faithfulness perfection. Perfect obedience. No mistakes, no confusion, absolute clarity, precision. Engineer-like precision. Like, just infinitely small tolerances precision. Right, Garrett? That's right. Yeah, Alex, you too my little engineers, my big engineers. Precision, precision of performance, absolute equations that don't falter, there's no variables. That's what we want, but that's not who we are. That's not who Abraham was. 
He called his wife his sister and said, tell him you're my sister so I don't get in trouble. You're hot, and he's going to know it. They're all going to know it. You're really hot, even at 75. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. Different, either different numbers or just they age differently back then. But that's what Abraham said. He's like, you are, you're just too pretty. This is going to go badly for me. They're going to take you. That's a mistake, guys. Like, that's not God, like, using him with wisdom. That's not God. He's lying. He's dishonest. He's not in any way trusting the God of creation to protect him. Don't, don't read that and go, Abraham was a, a, a cunning businessman or a, a, a really sharp, you know, navigator of political challenges. He don't, don't read that that way. He's, he messed up. He messed up. He put his wife in a situation where she could have been pulled into the, like, the king's harem. Like, that's, that's a weird, that's a big miss. That's a big miss. I don't think Soph would go for that. That would be a really hard to come back from. Really hard. <laughs> really hard. He was pretty human. You're pretty human. Is that faithfulness in your heart? That's what God's after. Not your faithfulness in getting it right. Your faithfulness in, in willing to come back to a place of seeking him. Remember the first scripture we had? Alex, can you go back to that first slide, that first scripture? For those of you, we getting there? Keep going on that one. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. That one. Like, is there faithfulness in your pursuit and your seeking? Like, are you consistently coming back to a place of pursuit? Or are you stale in your pursuit and are you dead in your seeking? If you're, if you're really interested in restoking like the fire of pursuing God, if you're really sincerely after a place where my pursuit is fresh, it's alive, it's strong, then you're like your father Abraham. Let's go to the, last, the very last slide. This is the slide that, that means the most to God. And it's said at least two times in the Bible. But this is the way they describe Abraham, your friend. It's in Chronicles, it's in Isaiah. There's not a lot of places in the Old Testament that call people God's friend. This is not very common. If I was to ask you what were the qualifications that Abraham made that God was so pumped about, he's like, you're, you're my friend. I see them all, but it's you. You're my friend. Yep, there's a lot of them. All your kids, grandkids, you're my friend. Unfortunately, it wasn't perfect execution. Because that would be simple. It would be equation-based. It would be where you naturally want to go. Give me the rules, God. Just give me the list. Hey, how about you give me the law? I'll follow the law. That's what happened later. Abraham wasn't obeying a law. It didn't exist yet. He was hearing a voice, and he was leaning into that voice and saying, God, if this is you, I'm in. So what ends up being the primary criteria if we're to judge based on what we see? We get that one-liner, he had a faithful heart. But I'll tell you guys, the real obvious thing, he obeyed. He obeyed God. He's obedient 
way beyond logic. We're going to get into that next week a little bit with Abraham and his son. And that's really like this, the pinnacle of, this, of the story, foreshadows Jesus. It's really powerful what Abraham was able to do from a place of faith. But our heritage, guys, is we're just like him. We're just like him. And I'll just, I want to I invite you into a moment with me. This is, a, this is going to be an altar call for me. And you can participate if you like. Because there's different moments in our life where we, we feel drawn by the Spirit of God to obey and to go. And usually when we f- initially feel that, there's life in it and there's, there's enthusiasm and there's strength. But inevitably, there's these moments where we actually walk out in faith following God's voice and we're there and we're doing and all of a sudden we're like, hey, there's no food here. I can't eat here because I don't mean to be too simple, but there's literally no food. I cannot eat. I'm going to die here in the place you've called me to be. And God, I promise you, heard Abraham saying those exact words when famine came. Do you think Abraham forgot about God? Do you think Abraham never talked to God during that season of famine? No, of course he did. He's a faithful guy. So he knew, God, you called us out here. And Sarah's like, did he call us out here? Are you sure? Uh, I don't know. All right, we're out here. And she starts laughing uncontrollably because that's what she does. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know her that well. I don't know. But she, why are we here? And Abraham's like, why are we here? And he said, God, we don't have any food. Are you going to feed us? We don't know, but I bet God was quiet. I bet he was quiet because that's kind of how God is. He wants to know that we believe him. You see, he had got there. He had arrived in the place of his calling, and he had physically shown up and said, you're in the place of your calling. You have arrived in the career and the family and the season of life that you have been designed to arrive in. And then all the circumstances, the fruit of his dream was riches, palm trees, water. (laughs) I don't think there was any of that going on. I think it was just the opposite. I think it was dry, desolate. Everyone around him was fleeing because they couldn't come up with food and water for the society that was there. And he's like, nobody can survive here. This is what you called me to? This is crazy. And God's like, yeah, we did crazy a long time ago. We left everything and came here. Aren't you still crazy with me? Do you still believe me? And Abraham probably just said, this is too much. And so I just want, I want to remind you, regardless of your, the season you're in, you could be in that, that place where you go, I, I've never had the calling. I've never stepped out and heard, but I want to. You could be in the season where you have stepped out and heard, but then you've encountered that dry place. And maybe it's not so dramatic, but it's a dry place in your heart where you go, I'm not vibrant and alive and feeling refreshed and strong and capable. It's just the opposite. I feel weak, broken, like I'm off track and I don't understand where I'm at or why. This is a moment where I want to invite all of us into a place of fresh encounter with God. 
And I'll tell you guys, there's no shame in needing it because you're, you're hewn from the same rock Abraham was hewn from. You're the same DNA, you're the same person, and God's just in love with someone who's willing to demonstrate faithfulness by coming back to that place of calling and going, I may not see it, but wherever you send me, whatever you say to me, my answer will be yes. I'll either plant myself or I'll go only at your word. I will be able to go anywhere that you say, trusting that if it's not for me, then it maybe it's for the generation that's after me, but whatever the cause or whatever the, the result, I'm willing to say yes, because God, I know you are God, and you're, will, you're worth my whole life. And so I want you guys to do this with me. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're gonna do this old school. I want the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come, and I just want him to just blanket this room, and I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to call you again. I want you to invite him to encounter you. If you're one that has never initiated that first relationship, that first reach to God, today God is inviting you into that relationship. You don't have a history with God. You don't have a heritage of having obeyed God over and over. You just have been trying to find him for the first time. God is inviting you today for a new relationship and you can be part of that family that God has made real for generation after generation. His intention towards you is good. He wants to fill your life up with favor and riches and hope. He wants to give you newness. He wants the peace of heaven to come into your life. You see, when we invite God into our hearts for the first time, he begins to expel all of the dark things that have really oppressed us and caused us pain. God is not pleased with anxiety in your life. He wants to drive it out. He's not pleased with sleeplessness. He wants to drive it out. But you have to invite him in to that place in your heart. And then if that's not you, but you have a relationship with the Lord, you know that, that you either need to light a new fire, create a new altar, and stand again in that place of commitment to being where God's called you to be, going where God's called you to go. There's nothing that will separate me from God's calling on my life. There is no circumstance that's stronger than the voice of God calling me to great things. I may not see it, but I believe it, and I want you, God, to fill me with great hope and courage to pursue you at all costs, to obey you at all costs. I don't care what I feel or know. I know you are God and you're capable. And so, guys, there's many of us today that just, we need a renewal. We need a re recharge or resurgence. And if that's you, if you need a renewal or you need to start for the first time, you need, to, you need to have that first encounter. I just want you to stand up. And we're gonna, what I'd like you, let's all stand up if you want that encounter today. And I want you guys to make your way to the front. And I, you can either kneel at the front or you can stand at the front. And we're gonna begin to pray for you guys. We've set time aside today. We just believe the Holy Spirit is gonna come and meet us in a way that inspires us to do great things inspires us to have great obedience, inspires us to do 
wonderful, wonderful things for the kingdom of God. So just make your way up here, find a place. Daniel's going to lead us in some worship. You guys just begin on your own to seek the Lord. Begin like Abraham would have and just say, God, meet me. If you need to confess sins to him and repent, you do that. This is you and God. You don't need anybody else. This is you and God. Abraham was all alone and God called him out and separated him. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to begin to cry out to the Lord in your own way. Don't, don't worry about who's around you. No one's listening. This is you speaking to the Lord. So Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come. We invite you, God, to begin to just rest on each one here. And we ask that you would begin to speak new life and new, new obedience, new engagement, new commitment. Send us wherever you want us to go. Call us to great things, Lord. I just ask that you would begin to give callings and identity to each one in this room. You'd renew their commitment to you. You'd renew their passion for you. There would just be a cry in their heart. God, that I have to find you. I have to seek you until I find you. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for being faithful to come to those who seek you. I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us of all of our sins, for bearing all of our sins on your cross. I thank you, God, that you're faithful and you're good to anyone who would pursue you. So God, we meet you today in faith. We believe that you'll meet us. In Jesus' name.